0: This is true crime psychology and personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a Ph.D. in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Leon Jacob? Leon Jacob was born in New Jersey sometime in the 1970s. His father was a surgeon. His family moved to Houston, Texas in 1977. Leon's father died when Leon was 13 years old. Leon married a woman named Annie sometime around 2002. They had two sons. Leon wanted to be a physician, probably because he looked up to his father. In 2005, he graduated from a medical school on the island of Grenada then he moved to Texas and attended four different residency programs. He did not perform well. Ultimately, he was dismissed from all four of them, one after the other. His physician-in-training permit was terminated in 2010. Leon moved to Youngstown, Ohio, and started his fifth residency program. After receiving multiple complaints, he was ordered to undergo a mental health assessment. Leon was dismissed from the program in March of 2011. The program determined that he was an immediate threat to patient safety. Leon unsuccessfully appealed his dismissal. A few months later, Leon was charged with breaking into the residence of a physician named Patricia Gooden, who testified against him during the appeal. Leon divorced his wife, Annie, in 2013. In 2014, he was charged in Illinois with stalking her That same year. Leon started dating a woman named Megan Veracas when they were both living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Leon was there for his sixth residency. The couple moved to Houston, Texas, where Leon started his seventh and final residency. He was dismissed in 2015. Leon filed for bankruptcy in 2016. Before moving to the timeline of the crime, let's hear a word from today's sponsor, Stamps.com. Taking trips to the post office is probably not how you want to spend your time. That's why I recommend mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay a lot less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out orders, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. It's no wonder nearly one million small businesses already use Stamps.com. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk and you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com slash drgrande for your four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale. That's stamps.com slash drgrande. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. In January of 2017, Leon and Megan had an argument, and Leon allegedly attacked her. Megan ended the relationship and moved out of the residence. Leon allegedly harassed her at her job. She reported this activity to the police, which led to Leon's arrest for assault and stalking on February 16. Leon asked a woman named Laura Thurlow to help him regarding his situation with Megan. He wanted Laura to help him get Megan back. If that didn't work, he wanted Laura to ask Megan to leave town. If Megan refused, he wanted Laura to grab her, put her in her car, and take her to him. Leon suggested that he had a syringe that he could use to take care of the rest. Laura refused to help Leon, but referred him to a man named Motaz Azay, who went by the name Taz. Leon knew him as Zach. Leon asked Taz to kidnap Megan and convince her to drop the charges against him. If she refused, he wanted Taz to make her disappear. After Taz was paid $9,000 by Leon, he cut off contact with Leon and spent the money. I guess Taz figured that making the $9,000 disappear was close enough. At least something was disappearing. Leon contacted a man named Michael Kubosh, who was the owner of the bail bond company that posted his bond. Leon asked Michael for Zach's number, again referring to Taz. Michael told Leon he had no idea what he was talking about. Leon further explained that he had paid Zach a lot of money to take care of this matter. Leon needed Megan not to testify against him because it would hurt his medical license. Michael was disturbed by Leon's behavior and notified the police. The police were able to locate Taz about a week later and made him a confidential informant. Taz told Leon that he was getting attached to Megan, so he was going to have Leon meet with another hitman. This hitman was an undercover officer. At some point after he broke up with Megan, Leon started seeing a veterinarian named Valerie McDaniel. Leon and Valerie both attended a meeting with the undercover officer at an Olive Garden restaurant. Valerie told the officer that she also had somebody she wanted to kill, her husband, Mac McDaniel. The police contacted both Megan and Mac, the two people who Leon and Valerie wanted to murder. They asked them to cooperate in a sting operation, and they agreed. The police posed Megan as if she was being held hostage and photographed her. They took pictures of Mac after they posed him as if he had been shot in a carjacking. These pictures helped the police to trick Leon and Valerie. The couple was indicted for solicitation to commit capital murder. Leon was not able to make bail because he had other pending charges, but Valerie was released on bond. She would never face the charges in court. Instead, a day before she was due back in court she decided to make her way off of the seventh story balcony of her condominium she did not survive leon jacob was tried and convicted he was sentenced to life in prison but is eligible for parole he could be released as early as 2047. hi i'm matt harris Seaton tucker and i host the podcast impact of influence which for two years covered in depth Alec murdoch who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at killerpodcast.com. Now moving to my analysis. There is no real dispute about the guilt of Leon Jacob. The police had hours of recordings. Leon unsuccessfully appealed his conviction, arguing that the indictment listed Megan and Mac as MV and MM, so it used their initials instead of their full names. He tried to say that for all he knew, the complaining witness could have been Mickey Mouse, which is interesting because this is also the level of the quality of his appeal strategy. Some of the best information about Leon's behavior and personality come from the documentation of an appeal He filed against the residency program in Ohio. Here are some of the descriptions of Leon made in this document. He was frequently late to work. He made misrepresentations. He did not communicate effectively. He scored poorly on tests. He left lectures early claiming he already knew the material. Nurses reported an incident during which Leon lost emotional control. Leon did not have the self-awareness to realize he lacked the medical knowledge necessary to properly perform procedures, and his supervisor said that Leon just doesn't listen. When looking at this information and other sources, it appears as though Leon wasn't going to let the fact that he was completely incompetent stand in his way. Leon routinely overrepresented his qualifications by saying he was a surgeon, but in reality, he failed to achieve this goal. He was dangerously unqualified and did not have the personality or skill level for this line of work. Leon was allegedly violent in a number of romantic relationships. He appeared to be manipulative, controlling, demanding, arrogant, and aggressive. When he would get arrested or otherwise face consequences, he wouldn't blame himself. Rather, he would blame his victim. One of the more curious parts of this case is the effect that Leon had on Valerie McDaniel. Leon's first wife, Annie, and his girlfriend, Megan, both accused him of criminal behavior. But with Valerie, we see something different. Instead of Valerie accusing Leon of crimes, or having any known relationship problems with him at all, she joined him in a criminal conspiracy. Valerie was a respected veterinarian in the area. She had her own business. She had no criminal record. What happened in this situation? Why did she get involved in a murder-for-hire plot? Here's what I think happened in the situation. This is just a theory, my opinion, Valerie had claimed that her ex-husband, Mac McDaniel, had cheated multiple times. She said that he apologized once and said he wouldn't do it again. She forgave him. He did it again, and she forgave him again. This is when she became friends with Leon Jacob, and they started spending time together. Leon appeared to have several characteristics of narcissism. He was self-centered, arrogant, and had a sense of entitlement, specifically from grandiose narcissism, He was overconfident, charismatic, optimistic, dominant, and extroverted. On the vulnerable side of narcissism, he was vindictive and defensive. Leon wanted to be with Valerie. He wasn't worried about the fact that she was married. On one occasion, when Leon and Valerie were talking as friends, he ran his finger over her foot. She described it as a movie moment. Valerie immediately fell in love with Leon, and her relationship with her husband was over. The early stages of a relationship with somebody who has characteristics of grandiose narcissism are characterized by intense feelings. Sometimes the narcissist will use love-bombing, but they almost always appear charismatic and exciting either way. It's a fun time full of passion, but does not have any true substance. As long as the couple stays in this phase, they appear to be happy. The problems have not started yet. Leon and Valerie were both upset with their former romantic partners. They not only had the excitement of this initial passionate phase, they both had enemies. They both wanted revenge. They perceived a significant discrepancy between their relationship with each other and their relationships with their former love interest. Again, that passionate phase made their current relationship seem much more exciting and joyful. I think what could have happened here is that Leon was able to tap into Valerie's feelings of anger toward Mac McDaniel. He was able to activate them in a way that she would not have done on her own. Valerie would later indicate that her homicidal desires came about gradually. She didn't wake up one day and decide she wanted to kill her ex-husband. I think that Leon was able to continually pressure Valerie and appeal to whatever vindictiveness and anger she had in her he slowly turned her into someone like him. One could argue that a relationship with a narcissist only goes in one of two directions. Either the non-narcissistic partner resists becoming narcissistic, and the couple fights because of this, or they go along with the narcissist. They become like the narcissist. I think the latter is what may have happened here. Valerie gave in to her own narcissistic desires. Leon made it look easy, fun, and sensible. After all, he was some type of incredible surgeon, a pillar in the community. He convinced her that homicide was the best option. They deserved to have their partners eliminated. After they were both arrested for solicitation of murder, Leon denied responsibility, which was his pattern. Valerie was not truly narcissistic, so she was not able to cope with her arrest as easily as Leon. She did not have the protective layer of narcissism. She had to face the guilt and shame for her actions without a shield. Unable to reconcile her behavior and the consequences of her behavior, Valerie decided to make her exit. I think that one could make a good argument that Valerie McDaniel was Leon Jacobs' last victim. He demonstrated that resisting a narcissist is less dangerous than joining one. The last item I want to cover in this case is how Leon fell for the claims of the undercover officer. From watching the interviews of Leon Jacob, it's clear that he is intelligent and articulate, yet he somehow fell for a very obvious trap set by the police. How can something like this happen? I think Leon was so confident that he could get away with anything he wanted. He believed that this officer was really going to kill his adversaries. This is a great example of how narcissism and intelligence Can coexist, but one will invariably dominate the other. In this case, the narcissism was victorious. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. OhioMysteries.com